This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. We're often told that striving for perfection is the key to success. This message is often repeated these days in the era of hustle culture. But how effective is striving for perfection. I'm Dashan Johan and this is Today I Learned. On the show with me today is Sandy Clark. He's a licensed counsellor. Welcome back to the show, Sandy. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, Dashan. It's always a pleasure to be on the show. Okay, let's start with an overview a little bit. How would you describe perfectionism or striving for perfection? Well, I think when we strive for perfection, uh, it sort of describes this... um, tendency to demand um, of ourselves an extremely high um, or sort of obviously perfect standard, right, is is chasing this ideal that's always just out of reach. Um, And it's often uh, in excess or it goes beyond what's actually required of the situation. Um, And so I think in that sense, this pursuit of perfection, of excellence, of flawlessness is, is driven by this, you know, desire to chase an ideal that we'll never reach. And so it creates a lot of, sort of stress, anxiety in the, the process because you're always setting yourself a standard that's always going to be outside your limitations. What would you say is the impact of striving for perfection on one's well-being and mental health? Um, well, it can affect our mental health and well-being in quite a number of ways. So, mm. for example, perfectionism can lead to chronic stress uh, due to the constant self-criticism uh, and unattainable goals that, that come along with this uh, tendency to strive for perfection. Uh, it can result in anxiety issues and disorders uh, as people have more of a fear of making mistakes uh, as they pursue whatever goal they have in mind. And uh, so they become overwhelmed with this sense of fear, this kind of anxiety uh, of, of making this mistake uh, as they chase their goals. Um, it can also contribute to depression. Mm. Um, there, there's this uh, persistent sense of inadequacy, of, of failure. If you're always chasing the unachievable, then it's going to feed back into your self-image that says to you, you know, I'm not able to succeed. I'm not able to achieve Uh, therefore I am worthless, therefore the situation is hopeless. Uh, So it can affect people in that sense as well. And in a more general sense, it can also lead to burnout, you know, because as Mm -hmm. we are constantly striving, uh, we are sort of exerting excessive effort without ever reaching that feeling of accomplishment or achievement uh, in the process. What does, you know, trying to achieve the unachievable mean? Because, I think sometimes, you know, people uh, tend to say that's exactly what you should be doing. You know, there's this famous saying, reach for the stars. And even if you, even if you fail, you'll fall on the clouds or on the moon. You know, th- th- I think these kinds of saying, right? Um, so what is the difference between perfectionism and healthy striving? Because I think working hard, striving to achieve something, these are all good qualities. Where do you draw the line? I mean, it's an important distinction to make, and I think that healthy striving is about setting high standards, right? Or you're you're setting, you know, really meaningful, possibly challenging goals for yourself. Um, but you're also accepting 
your limitations and learning from mistakes, right? Um, it focuses on the process of learning, the process of, um, you know, achieving some element of understanding, of growing in your skills and so on. So there's much more emphasis on growth and self-improvement, um, whereas striving for perfection uh, involves, again, the setting unrealistically high standards that often leads to you know, fear, of, fear of failure and fear of rejection. And it's more about the outcome than the process. And what happens is if you're striving healthily towards something, then you'll presumably be challenged enough, be engaged and motivated enough to keep going, um, especially if you have, for example, encouraging teachers or support systems or bosses. But if you're in this environment where there's an expectation to strive for perfection, for excellence, then it's bound to have the opposite effect where people become demotivated, disengaged, um, they become fearful. Um, and, and so therefore they don't engage as much with the process because they're terrified of making a mistake. So healthy striving is adaptable and flexible, right? It allows for adjustments and goals um, based on changing circumstances as well. So it's not some fixed rigid thing. Um, so in contrast, striving for perfection is rigid where any kind of deviation from the set standards uh, of kind of expectation of, of the objectives is seen as a failure. What do you mean by unrealistic expectations? Could you give me an example of, let's say, what um, you know perfectionism would look like versus healthy striving, perhaps in a um, career or job environment, perhaps? I mean, it's it's seen quite commonly in people who, for example, are always chasing just one more thing, right? Mm -hmm. So. Once I um, get a job, then I'll be successful. Right. Well, but once I get a job, I need to get a job with a higher salary. Or once I get the higher salary, I need to push for promotion. Once I get the promotion, I need to get higher. I need to get management. I need to get this other position. So the unrealistic expectations don't necessarily relate to specific goals because um, as long as they are um, sort of reasonable, let's say, then you know there's a good chance you can work toward achieving those um, expectations um, if you're able to have all the resources and capability and you know a bit of good luck as well. Um, but the the unrealistic expectations is about what you expect from yourself. So once you get to achieving a goal, once you get to achieving a certain standard, people who are perfectionists or they're encouraged to strive for this perfectionism, that's never enough. So if you could wrap perfectionism up in a nutshell, um, in a slogan or whatever, uh, it would be not good enough. So whatever you're achieving, whatever you're um, able to uh, accomplish, it's never enough. But there's always something beyond the horizon. So that's why it's unrealistic, because you can never get to a point where you're satisfied from a perspective of perfection. But of course, there are sort of unrealistic expectations that... Um, you know, you could say to yourself, for example, if I say to myself, oh, I really want to achieve a Nobel Prize in physics, hmm. um, yeah, I'm not going to achieve that, right? <laughs> so um, <laughs> I, I, somebody could say, well, you know, you could, I can imagine a toxic boss or a toxic leader saying, no, just you just need to learn, you just need to get curious, you right. just need to see yourself. And you say, look, look dude, there's limitations, right? Um, <laughs> there's no way I'm going to be able to compete uh, learning from scratch. Uh, with these high achievers in the field, right? So you need to be aware of your own limitations in that sense and, you know, as well as your strengths and capabilities so that that becomes a coexisting balance uh, that helps you strive 
five for the kind of realistic goals, the kind of realistic uh, accomplishments that you want to set for yourself. Sandy, I'm wondering what role, um, if any, do cultures and social conditions play in pushing people to strive for perfection or to have this perfectionism mindset? Oftentimes when you meet people who are, you know, very much striving for perfection, have this perfectionism mindset, is it sort of self-inflicted or does it sort of derive uh, from the culture in which we are living in today? Yeah, I, I think that the culture plays a huge impact on people's mental health and well-being in general. So mm-hmm. one of my favorite sayings is that, you know, mental health is, you know, good mental health and well-being right. is an individual responsibility, but it's also a collective one. So you can't really have one without the other. Um so, for example, in a, in a in a corporate setting, you know, if they are having this constant idea of striving for per- perfection, right. striving for excellence, and, and this is a positive thing, um, to me, it's similar to the advertising industry. Uh, if you remain dissatisfied, then you'll always be striving, right? It's is that you you can never be content, you can never sit still, you can never be satisfied with where you are, right? So it, it, in a corporate setting, if you're able to instill this sense of you have to keep striving for perfection, you have to keep pushing yourself, then that benefits the the organization in the short term because you have people competing with each other, chasing promotions, you know, or trying to be innovative and, and things like that. But in the long term, I mean, research is quite clear that. If people are experiencing things like burnout, anxiety, stress at work, which I think a, a good chunk of the general workforce is, then actually um, is to the organization's detriment, right? So it's actually not a beneficial um, thing in the long term to put out this message of striving for perfection. Um, and I think as well, you know, things like uh, the rise of the hustle culture, yeah. which glorify overworking and, and high achievement often at the expense of personal well-being and also at the expense of organizational well-being as well in the long run. And like I just said, um, there there have been studies to show that um, health-related issues due to overworking is actually killing more people uh, <laughs> than malaria in any single year, right, in, in recent years. So there's, the, there's a, a real issue here with how the culture treats this sort of glorification of perfectionism. And of course, if you look at things like economic realities, such as competitive job markets and financial instability that we're all experiencing at the moment, um, this can push people again toward this sense of perfectionism um, as a means to try and secure stability and success. But um, as I mentioned earlier, it comes back to the expense of their own uh, mental health and well-being. Um, one of my pet peeves with social media is is to see this sort of here's five steps or right. here's a routine or here's this thing you have to do like and, and or you see sort of references to the you know the Stoics like Marcus Aurelius and, and Seneca mm-hmm. and you think well Marcus Aurelius was a Roman general in centuries past where survival was literally a daily thing. <laughs> right you know in a very different world compared to us so you know the, the fact that you're not upskilling yourself in excel a powerpoint is probably not going to be the same parallel to what marcus aurelius had to do to to live and survive um so i, I think that the hustle culture and messaging um it is i think is influential because it feeds into people's hopes and fears you know that you know if you just work this way then you can 
um, achieve this billionaire lifestyle in, in 10, 20 years time. If you put in the labor now, you can enjoy the freedom later. Um, but there's a reason why, you know, billionaires, exceptional people, above average um, sort of performers are these kind of people, right? Because they are exceptional. Uh, the, the, the chance that you're going to be like them is extremely slim. Um, but nevertheless, we still all, all have this kind of psychology where um, we need to be seen to, to strive, to not be lazy, to, to do the best that we can, to um, never be satisfied, never sit still. Um, I wanted, I saw something on LinkedIn the other week and it said something like, oh, you know, if a, if a shark stops swimming, then it sinks and dies. <laughs> so while other people are sleeping, uh, while you're sleeping, other people are working. So, you know, you basically the message was don't ever sleep, don't ever right. stop, don't ever, you know, take a break, don't live your life. Um, but the 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 reality to that is that you know again you're going to be striving for expectations and and sort of objectives and goals that are always going to be outside your reach you're going to create a a lot of stress for yourself and you're going to miss out on a lot of living in the process because while you're kind of worried about this stuff and striving and pushing yourself um you're you're going to miss a lot of you know what actually matters in your life what's actually important to your life um, and before you know it, five, 10, 15 years passes and you'll look back and think, ah, man, I, I shouldn't have wasted my time and all this stuff. Um, so, so it really sort of creeps into to damaging people's sense of perspective uh, and, and overall health. On the show with me today is Sandy Clark. He's a licensed counsellor. We will continue our conversation after the break. Keep it here on Today I Learned, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Today I Learned. I'm Dashan Johan and on the show with me today is Sandy Clark. He's a licensed counsellor and we're talking about why striving for perfection may not be a good thing. So Sandy, just some stats from the most recent Oxfam um, inequality report. It talks about how, you know, over the past um, three to four years since 2020, um, the top five richest people in the world have seen their wealth double while 5 billion people across the world have become much, much poorer. We also see um, stats like, you know, the top 1% owns 43% of all global financial assets. Um, you know, and, and, and the stats just get more and more staggering if you read the report. I'm wondering, you know, as, as the so-called pie um, keeps shrinking and, and you know among the, the income earners working class and middle class people um, you know while the rich keeps getting richer the poor and middle class keeps getting poorer I'm wondering what sort of um, you know impact this has on the mindset that pushes people that they have to grind 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 and strive for perfection yeah I mean I, th I think fear is a powerful driver mm. in, in that respect and, and you touch on a very important point, right? So when you say that, you know, we must strive, we must work hard to to survive, to make sure our future future is secure. So you're always looking at a, a sort of time that's always unknowable, right? So that you can never really know what the future is going to bring. And generally speaking, I mean, of course, there's there's still poverty and people who are suffering throughout the world. Yep. But in, in, in trends over the last sort of, 
you know, sort of 30 to 50 years, mm-hmm. uh, you know, standards have risen across the board. Uh, there's very few people compared to, you know, times gone by that are going to be uh, in abject poverty, for example. Right. Um, and, and so I, I think I, I think part of the, the sort of economic reality would be, you know, who are you doing this for? What is the, you know, who are you ultimately paying? You know, because if you're striving to work hard to pay for the branded items or the, mm-hmm. the big purchases and the stuff um, that you don't really need to impress the people that you don't really like, um, you know, who benefits in the end? Uh, you know, one of, one of the questions I often ask uh, clients who who would struggle with perfectionism would be, you know, what would it mean to have uh, a sense of contentment? What would it mean to be good enough? Uh, what would it mean to to just have um, an experience where you're living your life, you're enjoying what you're doing, right? Um, but there's no sense of competing, uh, or there's no sense of of you know having to build something beyond your 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 needs in a sense. Um, uh, and it's again it comes back to this messaging of you're you're constantly comparing upwards right so mm-hmm. uh looking at billionaires you're looking at sort of corporations you're looking at um as uh steve hayes who's the creator of acceptance and commitment therapy mm-hmm. says that nowadays young people suffer more from anxiety depression stress because now you can just go online and, and you can see how these the sort of so-called other half live right um so you can take a tour of the billionaire's bathroom or the, the hmm. penthouse or the, the celebrity lifestyle, um, and you're constantly kind of feeding into this um, endless sort of self-improvement, endless upskilling, endless pushing yourself, um, you know, creating an image for yourself, creating a sense of who you are to hopefully sort of, you know, cling on to the coattails of, of people who are, you know, far beyond your reach in a sense. Absolutely. What role, um, when it comes to overcoming, um, you know, perfectionism, what role does self-compassion play um, if we want to overcome perfectionism? Um, so self-compassion is one of those terms that's that's sort of a bit diluted by this point. And I think mm. that uh, it, people take it to mean that you're excessively nice to yourself and you give yourself <laughs> a free pass and you don't do right. any... You don't give any effort to what you're doing. Uh, but self-compassion basically just involves treating yourself with a bit of kindness and understanding during times of failure or inadequacy or, you know, for example, you know, I didn't get the job uh, after the interview. You know, I must be such a loser. Like nobody's ever going to hire me. Mm-hmm. Um, self-compassionate stance would sort of reframe that and say that, well, you know, at, at least I got the interview. I learned a lot here. Um, maybe the candidates were just better than me on the day, but I can keep trying and you know try again. It's, it, it's no, it's no big, it's no big deal. You know, it's not a, it doesn't define who I am. Just this one uh, situation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, whereas being highly critical often involves negative self-talk and an inability to uh, accept flaws, uh, which again comes back to being detrimental to your to your mental health. So um, again, on the flip side. Self-compassion allows for that recognizing and accepting limitations, um, which leads to healthier coping strategies and perspectives. And one of the things that I think that leaders do or, or could improve on is to get rid of this messaging 
that, you know, um, it's all about building on your strengths and ignoring limitations. And, you know, there's never such a thing as can't do or cannot. No, there is. Um, you know, we all have our limits. Uh, that, that that's not um, it's not a profound thing to to suggest that we all have our limitations. Um, so, but what you're doing when you promote this kind of message that oh, you can do anything you set your mind to, that you can achieve anything as long as you try hard enough, then you're you're immediately putting the strain and the pressure on the person that well, if you don't achieve this, then it's because you didn't try hard enough. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, like these people who sell, sell sort of quack medicines, right? Uh, the reason why it didn't work is because you didn't believe strongly enough. Right? Right. <laughs> it's not my fault, it's your fault. So I think we need to get the balance right where um, we are, uh, you know, having a conversation that, look, you know, try your best, do what you can. Um, nothing wrong with, you know, reaching for the, or, you know, shooting for the moon sort of thing. Um, but be aware that, you know, you're not going to be able to get everywhere you want to go in life. Uh, that's just part of being human. Um, if, if it works out great, if it doesn't, then, you know, allow yourself that space to just, you know, regroup and come back to the drawing board. Um, you know, whether you fail exams or don't get the job in, uh, job interview, or, you know, you get retrenched or whatever it might be. Um, these are devastating um, circumstances, but they don't define you. Uh, they, they don't detract from your worth. So I think that's very important to, to keep in mind. But again, um, business leaders, even universities and, and, and education institutions, I think they need to be careful with the messages that they put out because not everybody is going to be a leader. Not everybody is going to be an entrepreneur. Not everybody is going to be super successful. Um, if you put 20 people in a room, some of them by definition are going to be below average right? so not everybody can be above average so i think we need to have a bit more of, of that conversation where you know good enough is good enough absolutely i think that's very well said how would you respond to the kind of um you know argument that some people might make that being ultra self-critical can be motivating um you have some gym trainers who are um, focusing on, they focus on nurturing, um, on trying to get people to think positively and, and so on and so forth. Whereas some people, whether it's trainers or just uh, trainees, people who are just training themselves, they might have a, you know, a very ultra self-critical type of um, um, approach, like, you know, calling themselves a wimp, calling themselves a loser, and then, you know, you're trying to use that to get them to lift heavier, for example. Uh, what are, you, what are your thoughts on, on these types of approaches? Being hyper self-critical might give you a bit of a boost in the short term. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in, in, in the long term, it's going to corrode uh, your your sort of mental well-being and your motivation. Um, so I'll, I'll give a bit of a shout out to a friend of mine. His name is Ronald and, um, and he's a, a counsellor as well. And, and he's very into fitness. Um, you know, the guy is built like a tank. And I think by this point, he just sent his muscles to the gym just to do their own work. But but he has a wonderful philosophy, which is, you know, everything in moderation, right? So when you're going to the gym, don't push yourself. In fact, he changed my whole outlook on, on exercising. Um, you know, don't go to, don't go to the gym and, and push yourself to the point where you're sore the next day. Right. Um, do like 70% of your capacity, um, you know, and 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 limit the amount of exercise that you're doing. Don't be doing, you know, um, twelve exercises, four sets each, kind of, kind of thing. Um, 
And, and I think that's a much more healthier approach to, to life in general, right? When you're um, when you're really being hypercritical towards yourself or even toward others, again, it might have short-term benefits. It might give people a jolt in the, in the, in the immediate uh, term. But over the course of, of time, that's not going to stick. There's a really wonderful book, actually, that this is a good one for, for leaders, but also for general audience as well, mm-hmm. called Helping People Change. Uh, and it's by Richard Boyatzis, who's oh. a professor at Case Western Reserve University. Um, so in, in this book, he talks about uh, this idea that, you know, if you push people, if you criticize people, the most you're going to get out of them is compliance, right? Mm. And pretty much by a certain amount of time, they're just going to switch off. They're going to disengage. They're going to be demotivated. They're going to leave your company. Right? Uh, you're not going to retain your your, your performers. Um, he said, but if you coach people with compassion from the perspective of what do they want to achieve? What's their values? Um, you know, what's their capacity? Can they take on what you're trying to to give them, right? So again, it's it's not that you're easing up completely and saying do whatever you want and take your time, you know, no rush. Um, you're you're still having a bit of a push, a bit of a nudge, but it's not so um, it's not so heavy, it's not so um, brash or brutal, um, because uh, plenty of research again suggests that if you are mindful of of people in a compassionate, um, flexible way then they perform better. Um, and again, judging by Ronald's results, I can only take his, <laughs> his philosophy is, is working because, you know, it, it, the results are there. And I think in organizations and universities and in schools where there is a general sense of, in classrooms, for example, where you have a teacher that is compassionate, you know, firm but fair, um, but knows how to sort of get the best out of people, then those students are going to flourish much more than the teacher who's going around with the rotan cane and, and threatening people if they don't show up in time. So, so I, I think there's something to be said for really um, changing our perspective on the benefits of being hyper self-critical or critical toward others. What actionable steps, Sandy, can individuals take to shift from this mindset of perfectionism to one of healthy striving? One of the key things... Um, to, to create that sort of uh, shift in, in mindset is to uh, focus on the process of, of what you're doing rather than fixating on the perfect end result or trying to, you know, achieve the perfect end result. Um, there's a, a, a sort of expert in self-motivation in Canada. His, his name is Richard Costner. Um, and, and he uh, talks about motivation and why we do the things that we do. And, and one of his points is that, look, if you're doing things that you find enjoyable, that's, that are challenging enough, but not overly so, um, if you're interested in the learning and the activity and the the sort of growth in, in and of itself, um, rather than, okay, I'm doing this to get this, um, then you'll be much more satisfied. Um, you, you'll still strive. You'll still be motivated. In fact, you'll be more motivated if you focus on the process rather than, than fix it, fixating on the, the end result. Because either, you know, you set yourself really um, challenging goals and you you don't achieve them and then you feel disappointed in yourself or you achieve them and then you think, right, okay, what's next? So you, you, the mind's never going to be satisfied. So you need to, I think it'd be very helpful to, uh, again, just focus on the the pleasure, the joy, the the meaning of what you're doing rather than just simply focusing on the end result. Um 
Another thing that's quite helpful is for people to uh, seek feedback mm-hmm. uh, from friends that they trust, from family members. You know, am I sort of harsh on myself? Am I pushing myself too much? Um, you know, is there a way that I can sort of slow down or, um, you know, be a bit more self-compassionate toward myself? Ask people for uh, feedback because quite often we don't really see our blind spots, right? And we don't see... Um, where we might be pushing ourselves too hard, right. where we might be um, striving sort of excessively. So, um, you know, and, and again, coming back to this idea of self-compassion, um, recognizing that mistakes are a natural part of, of learning and growth, right, of, of any aspect of living. Um, everything that we're doing is, is trial and error. I don't think I've ever done anything where I've not reflected back and thought, oh, I, I could have done that better. Or I could have said that or or sort of played that better or performed that better. Um, there's never going to be a point where you reach perfection. So I think to get to that point where good enough is good enough, I think for me that would be the takeaway. If you could, if you could instill this sense of good enough is good enough, it's not going to take away from your sense of striving. It's not going to take away from your, your your sense of, you know, I need to achieve certain things. Um, but what it will do is it will stop you from really pushing yourself beyond your limits to the point where you're you're sort of no use to yourself um, or, or the sort of goals that you're setting. And Sandy, before we wrap this conversation up, would you have a final message? And as usual, if you have some book recommendations to, um, on how people can overcome perfectionism. I, I think that, uh, again, if we talk about per- perfectionism, if you are striving from that perspective, success is always going to be elusive, right? Um, mm-hmm. Because you're never going to be feeling like you're good enough, regardless of your achievements. Um, as one uh, trainer said to me, uh, he's a professor in the States, and he said, um, he said, trust me, there's no degree or no PhD uh, that's ever going to make you feel like you're good enough, that it's ever going to make you feel like you've arrived. Right. Um, that that's not the thing that gets you there. <laughs> like so, um, so when we externalize achievements and and how it's going to define us, that's just going to be an empty chase for however ever long we're doing it. Um, in, in terms of books, there's a couple. One is the Happiness Trap um, mm-hmm. by uh, Russ Harris. So the Happiness Trap is 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 a very uh, helpful book in terms of um, talking about cultural expectations about happiness, success. And where we fall into sort of very common traps right. and how to be aware of them and, and sort of avoid them. And the second one is um, Facing the Storm by uh, Ray Owen. Uh, and it talks about when you come up against challenges and setbacks in life, um, how do you deal with that and sort of build resilience, build self compassion, build that kindness towards yourself and other people when you feel like things are falling apart, which inevitably, we will have those feelings at some point. So how do we deal with that? So those are the two books, Happiness Trap and Facing the Storm, which I think would be really helpful in terms of this discussion. Sandy, on that note, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you very much. That was Sandy Clark, Licensed Counselor. If you missed any part of this conversation, you can also check us out on podcasts. We're available on the BFM app, bfm.my, or wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Bishan Johan, and this has been Today I Learned, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast 
from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.